0: Are you ready for cocktails and conversation? This is Herspiration Happy Hour. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Herspiration Happy Hour. This is your unapologetic
1: diva, Dr. G. This is Cortina Peters, a.k.a. the Girlfriend Therapist.
2: And this is Louisa Harrell, a.k.a. The Blue
1: Phoenix. Hi, ladies. Hello, um, hi.
2: Tonight, we are drinking on something that I even think is too sweet. But I I, I thought it was interesting to say it anyway. <laughs> Nothing can be too sweet. I'm telling you, this is called a passion fruit martini. Okay. And um, you need uh, four ounces of passion fruit vodka or regular vodka. Uh, two ounces of pineapple juice. Or passion fruit juice. This is why I say it might be a little too sweet. Uh, an ounce of uh, simple syrup, an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, four fresh passion fruits, half, Two ounces of sparkling wine or prosecco, and ice. So you fill the cocktail shaker with ice. Pour in the vodka, the pineapple, the the um, pineapple or passion fruit juice, lime juice, mm-hmm. and the simple syrup. And then you scoop out the fruit seeds and the juice of the passion fruits that were half, and you put it in the shaker. Shake it vigorously for like 15 seconds, and then strain it to two martini glasses. And you can top it with a slice of um, passion fruit or the seeds. Oh. Yeah. And then if you want to, you know, to make it a, a mocktail, of course, you don't add the vodka. And you can get sparkling wine that's not, you know, they have the sparkling wine yeah, that's like that. apple cider. So you can add that in. It. It,
0: that's a lot for a martini glass. I know. I, I'm like, what if, there must be like little, little pores. A martini glass is not. Yeah, I was
2: like, oh, but to see the picture was so pretty. I was like, oh, this is cute. Is it in a wine glass? <laughs> or is it in a it martini? glass? A, martini- a martini
0: glass. glass. Ah, Okay. Thank you much. Oh, you could come in and bring it to me, babe. I'm I'm getting my drink handed to me.
1: All right. How
0: about that? Awesome. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. yeah, one of my favorite glasses, a lemon drop martini, but it's in oh a,
1: it's my favorite drink.
0: Oh. In a in a wine, one of my favorite wine glasses. Speaking of of uh, South Africa, on my way to South Africa, this is where I bought this from and it has blown glass in the middle. Anyhow, this, oh, wow. you no, know, it's so beautiful. You can't really see it cause there's pineapple or there's lemons and stuff in there, but it's one of my favorites for that reason. Anyhow, It is Wednesday and we always recognize women who are making a difference or have made a difference. because uh, We talk about women in history, just as much as we talk about those who are alive. And one of the things, hello, Nick. One of the things that I wanted to talk about today for my WCW, so I'm going to go first because I want to recognize that it is Suicide Prevention Month and it's a very pivotal month. And, you know, the person that I chose kind of aligns with our guest today when we talk about burnout and overworked and overstimulated. So my WCW is Naomi Judd. What I did not know about Naomi Judd is that on April 30th, 2022, she took her own life by gun. And you're talking about yeah, an American singer and songwriter and actress. She was in country music. Her and her sister. Why not? Why? What is it? Why Nona Judd founded the Judds? Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about relevance now. I didn't even know she passed away, let alone passed away from suicide. Yep. And, you know, so I wanted to recognize her for my WCW for the, you know, the inspiration that she gave to country music and her contribution to country music and everything that she done and how hard she worked. And yet she still took her life. And there are a lot of people. And I've always said this and I've said this on here about checking on your strong friends. Check on your friends yeah. who are constantly busy, who overcompensate with work rather than take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. and so our mental is so important so that was my wcw um just to kick off and recognize that you know it is suicide prevention month so what we about
1: also just had the um rapper 600 breezy his girlfriend committed suicide recently that letter, so the the last text mm-hmm. message was like wow yeah. she said she had she just couldn't do it anymore. She had wrote this message so many times and it's nobody's fault. It's just, you know, her. So you can have all the money and everything that does not compensate for the darkness that someone can be experiencing within their life. And so Check on people. And even if you are checking on people, that doesn't mean they're going to give you, you know, everything, but at least you can feel better by saying, you know what? I did my part as a friend. And even if you're not so much of a friend, let's just say you're a coworker or someone and you just notice something is off or different. The vibe is not there. It takes absolutely nothing just to ask someone. Are you okay?
0: Yeah.
2: That's, I mean, and you they know what? That might someone's life. That might, exactly. you know. Absolutely.
0: Exactly. And, and just for people to understand, and and they always say, I didn't see it coming. In majority, 99.9% of the time, you would not. There are people who are depression and are on medication. So you kind of feel like, let me worry about this person. But a good majority of people who commit suicide are high functioning depressants. And so depression looks very different from one person to another, and so you know, again, check on your strong friends, check on your funny friends, check on your friends who always have jokes. There's a little bit of, there's a hint of truth in every joke. Yep. And That's so true. I'm just saying, so what about you? Oh, you didn't have your
1: WCW Cortina. Do you have one? Oh, I do. Um, I want to give my uh, WCW to Dr. Uh, Tanya Bass. She is my, one of my committee members. Uh, and she has been very uh, instrumental. She does a lot in the field of sexual health. She's a huge sexual health advocate. You can follow her. She's known as the Southern Sexologist on uh, Instagram, and she is just totally awesome, very supportive, and she does a lot for Black women in the sexual in the field of sexuality. And so, I just want to give her um, my W honor her as my WCW today.
2: Okay, so my WCW is um, uh, an author and I figured I'd go to being an author because you guys are authors and why not bring another lovely, beautiful black woman on as an author. Um, Her name is Octavia Estelle Butler. Um, She was born June 22, 1947 and she passed away um, February 24, 2006. I didn't even know she died. I don't know where I was. But anyway, she's... um, Uh, a science fiction author Hmm. and you didn't hear much about black women or black people in science fiction and she incorporated um, excuse me African American spiritualism into the science fiction world so she kind of like bust through the roof because science fiction was mainly um, white males authors Mm -hmm. so she um, received um, she was a recipient of the Hugo and Novella Awards. And she be- in 1995, she became the first science fiction writer to receive a MacArthur Fellowship. So that's that was really cool. And I just wanted to share uh, Octavia Butler with everyone.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, you're on mute, Dr. G. I know, I have it. <laughs> because I hardly mute myself. And so when I do, it's just like, oh, I just totally forget. Um, no, I'm so grateful that you all always enlighten me with, you know, different people who are out here making a difference. And our guest is already here. And I'm definitely want to have her in this conversation because, you know, uh, her name is Sarah McElroy, and she's the journalist and founder of the Raise to Rise Project, which is a movement aimed at amplifying um. The powerful voices of women from the great resignation. And if you know anything like I know this whole great resignation, I think I might be a part of it considering <laughs> I resigned. You might be, you I might know, be because I resigned during COVID. Oddly, mm-hmm. I did not realize when I, mean, I think back, it's been almost two years, but I resigned November 7th, 2020. That was still during COVID. Yep. And yeah, and so I'm assuming I'm a part of this, you know, movement. But one of the things that I really liked about her is, and I was reading her bio and she talks about experiencing burnout and the stress that comes with you know, work. And during COVID, there was a lot of people who was not able to find balance. You, we talk about suicide prevention or a suicide awareness and how many people were stuck at home with their their violent offenders who was either committing crimes or committing suicide. And you know, women—we carry a lot of weight. We carry a lot of different things: the pressure and stress. Some we carry because sometimes we think we should, when we shouldn't. Uh, we also <laughs> carry the weight of our friends, and then you add your career on top of that. Especially if you have one of these high or, you know, high level positions, or even if a low level position that you, you're you required to do a lot. So I really want to bring her on because she has had more than 125 conversations with women. I need to hear what in the world she has to say. So we're going to bring her
3: up. Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm oh, wonderful. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Hello. It's great to be yes. here, Dr. G, Cortina, and Luisa.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. So you, I kind of gave a brief overview of who you are, but can you introduce yourselves to our audience?
3: Yes, absolutely. My name is Sarah McElroy, and I am a former chief marketing officer and ex Hustle culture devotee. And I was inspired to return (laughs) to my journalism roots after I became a two time member of the Great Resignation within a span of just nine months, as well as the Wall Street Journal's poster girl for pandemic burnout. And on the other side of these, just career failures, as many could say, you know, defecting from two perfect on paper jobs within that very short period of time, I was reeling and I wanted to find out what are other women experiencing? What are the breaking points and defining moments that are leading so many of them to seek greater opportunity in the wake of the pandemic as well. And that's why I founded Race to rise a journalism project and movement amplifying the powerful voices and stories of women from the great Resignation. So,
1: so if you, oh go ahead no no no, go ahead. Um, I know Pam said earlier about the the number of women that you've had the opportunity to have a conversation with is, would you say that they're the common theme in those conversations? as you spoke to those women that continue to
3: come up in those conversations? Sure. Well, really for me, there were two red threads and the first being that we're seeing a full-scale renegotiation and reprioritization of how work fits into our lives versus the other way around. I don't know if you all had that same experience, but I certainly did where pre-pandemic, we're all running on the hamster wheel like crazy, and we've got our noses to the grindstone. We are not even stopping and pausing to think is this even what I really want? Is this good for me? Am I working the right amount? Like we never considered all of these things. And all of a sudden the world goes on pause and we start to, as we're able to, a lot of people are switching to work from home and things like that. We're starting to say, hmm, are some of these rules related to how we work arbitrary or are they really necessary? And and it created in us this desire to also ask that question of ourselves and what we were doing too. So the stories are all really personal as far as obviously circumstances and what ultimately led women to leave, but that is really at the heart of it. And there's another nugget too, if um, if y'all want to comment on that first part, or I can share that other nugget oh, as well. You can share the oh, other nugget, yeah. Okay, you got it. Now, this one really surprised me and caught me off guard, but I was so it made sense ultimately when I recognized it. So I'm having these conversations with women who have left their jobs and it became clear that we just knew when it was time to go, when it was time to call it quits. Now, some women also did some exercises related to mental gymnastics with spreadsheets or for budgeting and finances and pro-com lists and things like that. Okay, Dr. Doctor, G, you know what I'm talking about. But I will tell you that those were not the determining factors, which I just was so floored because we have been taught, if you think about the way careers are, we're taught to approach them. We're taught logic, rationality, pragmatism find that stable, secure job, you know, climb the ladder, pull down fatter paychecks, chase that fancy title, but we're not taught to harness the power of our inner knowing and that part of us that knows really what's good for us and when a situation has reached its expiration date. And so I was amazed by that. So women weren't necessarily saying, you know, everybody is like really in tune with their intuition, but they talked around this Knowing and that's I think a piece that is so key for us moving forward, and that's what my goal is really to rewrite the women's career playbook. So we are coming back to that part of ourselves and allowing that to guide us moving forward.
1: I think so, one of the so. The question really
0: quick. um I just have a question because I want to go back to what you said about pandemic burnout. So what is pandemic burnout? But then what does pandemic burnout? What did that look like for the different women that you spoke to?
3: Sure. Well, pandemic burnout, it it certainly makes sense and you were you were speaking to it at the beginning Dr. G that there are so many pressures on Everyone, but women in particular, we think about how we've been conditioned to be caregivers, to put others' needs first. We know the burden of household responsibilities and caregiving typically falls on women. McKinsey and the Lean In organization they do an annual Women in the Workplace report, and at the end of 2020, they found that women were spending, on average, an additional three hours a day in housework, caregiving related activities. And when you think about it, that's unrecognized labor, that's labor on top of the work that they're already doing. And then you fast forward a year later, and the same study comes out at the end of 2021. And they found that those numbers haven't changed. And women are three times as likely as males in the household to be doing that work. And now one in three women have considered downshifting their careers, which would mean to to take a position that's less stressful or they've considered leaving the workforce entirely. So it's very clear that all of that pressure, that pressure cooker that was created by the perfect storm of the pandemic really took a toll on women. And we also saw too, we lost a lot of our safety nets during that time related to being able to see our families and family helping with taking care of, of little ones. Virtual schooling was a huge undertaking that a lot of women had to um, keep going and take care of their their kids' education in addition to their work. So it's like, it's no surprise that over 50% of women per this, um, this study that Deloitte did earlier this year one in two women want to quit their jobs in the next two years and that actually skyrockets to 90 percent of women on a five-year horizon and 50 percent of women are talking about being burnt out and having very poor poor or very poor mental health it's Mm. it's really these are alarming numbers right now
1: Mm. what i was going to ask um do you think that in addition to all of these factors Just the fact that people are not putting as much weight on consistency and loyalty. You know, people used to be very dedicated. Like you find a good job, you don't leave it. You stay there forever. You have your 401k and your pension. Well, a lot of jobs are not offering necessarily that anymore. And so coupled with all of the things that you talked about, and this kind of move away, because they always talk about, you know, like millennials and how they just if they're not happy, they're just going to leave. You know, do you think that also plays a part in I'm not going to stay here? I'm good.
3: Two years. I don't have to stay here. I'm going to go find some something else as well. Definitely. I I think so, for sure. It's very clear that that level, that level of loyalty was born of a bygone era. And you're spot on with that in that there was a time where that loyalty was really rewarded. You'd find that job, you'd stick with that one company, you'd get your pension and you're trading the, the ability perhaps to grow and expand and do more things in your career for that stability and security on the other side. But now that that is not guaranteed, it doesn't make sense for us to have that same sort of blind, unquestioning loyalty when it's not being earned in the same way by employers. And so it's, it's not a sort of a thing where I'm encouraging all women to you know just walk out tomorrow because I think we need to be really conscious and intentional with what we do in our careers. But I do think that we are touching upon a moment of empowerment that says we get to be the architects of our careers. And we're not just taking the shoulds of what we should do per society, what other people think, what our family members think. And we actually get to have that say that says, this is how work is going to fit into my life moving forward. Mm -hmm. And this is what I will tolerate and what I won't.
0: Yeah. So now I have to go back to pandemic for you, because you said two resignations. <laughs> so <laughs> what would prompt not just the first one, but what prompted the second one? And after that second one, what was the pivot?
3: Ah, uh, My goodness. So I'll give you a little picture on the other side of the two resignations to help you understand who I was at least before all of this, I was that good girl. I was the corporate good girl. Whatever was asked of me, I would do it. You know, give me that playbook. I will execute against it. I will climb the ladder. I'll get all the, the titles and the paycheck and all of those things. And I will wear my ability to work harder than anyone as a badge of honor. And we're talking hours. Like I just didn't even question it. So much of my identity and my personal value was really tied up in what I brought uh, to the table in my career. So I, as the pandemic hits, I get a new job as a chief marketing officer for a private equity backed wellness concept that was scaling nationally. And I was also doing an executive MBA program at the time. And I knew it was going to be a lot but I wanted I wanted to do it. It was like everything I'd ever wanted on paper. So I start doing the job and I'm balancing school and I'm working up to 20 hours a day to juggle both of them. Not every single day, but really unsustainable kind of uh, approach. And I started to have some physical, my body was rebelling really. And I had a couple of episodes of throwing up blood that landed me in the ER. And then I got shingles in April of 2021. And that was like, I have this moment. I am in the doctor's office and the doctor tells me I have shingles and I'm overjoyed. I'm overjoyed because I get to take 10 days off from work And nobody can say anything about it. It's for a socially acceptable reason. I couldn't give myself that permission to rest on my own. And so I, you know, I have so much compassion when I look back on that version of me and that I had that moment of like just pure relief and gratitude for my illness, but then realizing, okay, Sarah, we're going to have to do something a little bit differently here because, Being happy about getting diagnosed with something that could ultimately lead in blindness and paralysis is like major red flag wake up moment. And so I quit and um, found a new job, moved to Florida, tried to get settled in here, cut back on my hours, doing yoga and meditation and all the things. And it's like my burnout isn't completely healing. And I finally... Put together that I was dealing with a really misogynistic culture and a sexual harassment situation that wasn't being properly addressed for months. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is like a paper cut on my newly healing burnout wound. This just makes so much sense. So that's why I ended up quitting that job and was inspired to understand. What are other women experiencing? I can't be the only one who is moving from one organization to another and struggling with overworking and dysfunctional toxic cultures and all of those things.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. I know about that way too well. Yes. <laughs> I, that was the decline of my um, burnout that I don't even after hearing speak, hearing you speak. I think part of mine was that same situation, the burnout. Mm-hmm. And I was. Working, working, working. I had my own company. I was a college professor. I worked for the federal government. And even when I was on vacation, I guess I was so accustomed to even working on vacation, no matter where I was at in the world, I was still locked in if I was needed. So i never really had that downtime so much. So my pivot after I even left the when I resigned, it was still hard to give myself grace to even sleep in an extra 30 minutes. Yeah, I killed me. Mm-hmm. It. it was like I and, and yet here I was up till sometimes three or four o'clock in the morning working. But dare I sleep past 7:30, even though I worked for myself, I had a hard time giving myself grace because mentally I was always accustomed to you know working and working and working. And I always felt like, well, you know what? How dare I? leave my full-time job and then sleep in and I would never sleep in on their clock. So why would I sleep in on mine? Not realizing that I really worked too hard when I was working (laughs) and I never, and, and then now I give myself way more grace where I learned how to balance and actually take care of myself. But I'm almost two years in and I tell you what it's finally I'm finally really this year getting the my jam on my personal time and my personal space. And I you know, used to say, "Oh, I'm so balanced. I'm so balanced because I still traveled and I did all of that." Uh-huh. But I really didn't. I still was like, "Well, um, I make excuses for having to log in. I make excuses for having to check. Let me just. It's not going to take long to check this email. It's not going to take long." And I'm so. I'm still working.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I know it's um, it's a really insidious thing where we have to go through a process of detoxing and unlearning what we have learned related to behaviors and work. I struggled with the same thing, too, when I left corporate and was the same sort of pressure you're feeling. You're like, I've got to make this yeah. this thing that i've said i'm going to do i'm not earning the the corporate paycheck anymore and i i wouldn't sleep on them so i've got to deliver for myself now and it's the pressure is so much and we are at times we can be our worst enemies in applying that pressure i mean the wake up moment that i had too was like oh my gosh i'm creating all of my stress and these deadlines when nobody else is it's me and it's like this um this internalized almost objectification that happens related to hustle culture, that we start to then value ourselves based off of our ability to work and produce. And, and, you know, the work ethic is obviously like it's ingrained in our American DNA that pick yourself up by the bootstraps culture, like that's what we do well. And so it it is you have to be so gentle on yourself. And I love that you recognize that Dr. G to be like, I'm going to give myself grace. And I know it's going to take time for me to learn what true balance is for me because I didn't actually know what it was before. It wasn't modeled well for me. And so I'm going to find out also what is, is right for me personally.
0: I love it. I I absolutely love it. And so now I, do you have children?
3: I don't know. So it's just, just me. And that's where career became everything. It was, especially after I was divorced in 2014, I just, threw everything into that because I was always good at school and academia and that made me feel good and validated and, and worthwhile. And so it became the same sort of thing. If I don't have a family and kids like I thought I was going to have, well, darn it, I'm going to be the best freaking employee that I can be regardless of what that looks like. And so my all my eggs went in the career basket at that point in time.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, that I can understand. Cortina? I forgot I was on mute. I was talking. <laughs> Um, when you said no children, I said, no fur babies.
3: Either. Oh, no, I have one of those. Oh, don't oh, you worry. Hey, yes. you, can <laughs> you
1: can't leave <laughs> the fur too. baby out now. Yes. Um, what I was going to say to that was even sometimes when you are in executive roles, I went to lunch one time with a, a colleague of mine and I was just a hundred percent. Like every time the notification would go off, it's almost like we don't even have a we're not even in touch with reality as it relates to time lapses and yes. us giving ourselves space to take time to respond to an email. It's like soon as it hits the inbox, okay, I got to send a response right now, and so that really we've we've all done it. It gives a false sense of availability, and it's almost like okay, well, if you don't respond to this email, okay, did they forget it? Did they see it? Okay, maybe a follow up, and it's like, can I take a breath? And so my friend, she was like you are traumatized. Like every time your phone rings, it's like this anxiety that I would get. And she was like, I am never going to lunch with you again because all you do is check your phone and respond to emails and still keep working. You can't even take an hour off. And that's really sad how our jobs can impact our mental health, but we don't even pay attention to it because it's just what we're used to of what we see, what we know. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the work culture is. And it's like, okay, if I can't take an hour, 30 minutes without checking an email, if I can't go on vacation without checking an email, what am, am I really enjoying life? It seems like the job or the career dictates and drives the boat to where we're going. And and that's not
3: necessarily living. Exactly. It really isn't. And uh, I just love so much of what you said. One of my favorite Sayings that I've heard as I've been doing the research around this, and I love to bring to bear is just because it's normal doesn't mean it's functional. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that we can do related to work in our society that are dysfunctional, even if they are commonplace. And so you really have to do this. Conscious sort of inventory around your beliefs with work and what it means to you to be, you know, to be a good employee. Everybody wants to be a good employee. That's that is important and it's inherent to us and in our nature, really, to want to show up and do a good job. But the definition of that should be more personal and conscious versus us just taking while other people are working like that crazy amount. And if I want to be as good as them, then I have to do that too. And so I think you're spot on in that regard. And then the other piece, like we get into these habits, like these neural pathways that are deeply ingrained related to work and notifications and things like that. And we know from the standpoint of our brains, and there's like a dopamine hit that goes off when we get that, that ping or whatever. And we feel like we have to respond and we get caught in these like almost spin cycles related to having to do all the time. And it's like, Let's be human beings, just human beings, not human doings for a minute and and come back to just the meaning of of life and who we are and what's important to us and what we value and how we want to show up as far as our character. Like all of that is so much more important than just blindly showing up day after day, and just slogging it out at work. Now, if you ultimately decide that a lot of work is right for you, and that's the healthy sort of thing, then go for yeah. it. But yeah. make it a conscious choice, a conscious decision.
1: One of the things I want to respond to is, um I know, uh, G.I. Mo, he stated, what, so yeah, we still have support, mm-hmm. and we don't. And I think that's because of society, right? It's like men are supposed to be able to handle everything. Yes. You got it. It's okay. You're supposed to work, take care of everything and be Up until recently, we really did not give men a space to be vulnerable or to say, I need help. And so if I'm not used to seeing that and there's no one offering the help, I may have never even been taught or know that it's even okay for me as a man to ask for help. Whereas with women, we're a little bit more vocal. We do have those different type of social circles that we can go to because that's just something that, you know,
0: But I also think that it comes down to male pride, too, because even because men are not socialized to share their Uh their feelings that they don't know what support sometimes look like. But so their pride steps in to say, I'm not allowed to be this way or, you know what I'm saying? So even if support is there, they don't know what it looks like because their pride is in the way or their past is in the way or hurt is in the way or, you know. Childhood trauma is in the way from the way that they are raised. So you, sometimes support is there, you say, but can a man be vocal? Women call it complaining. Well, with, okay. So let me let me talk about this too. So much the same way that a woman will call it complaining, a man calls it nagging. Let's let's get that straight right now. If so, that it's a double edged sword, mm-hmm. but it's still the same thing. If that makes well,
2: sense, I, I think. Cause I I keep going. I'm in a bad area, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think it's pride with men. I think it's conditioning. Oh, okay. um, they are conditioned to not talk, to not share, to not express <laughs> because, because we teach them boys don't cry, boys don't do this, boys supposed to do that. You know, and so it's always a conditioning. And then, it, like you say when the the space is there for them to express themselves they don't know how because they've been conditioned not to and we we will talk we women will talk we're going to share because you know that's what we do um also i you know i recently maybe about last year realized that we trade our time for money and i think if we took that attitude and that approach with these jobs all these careers where we're building from someone else. We would give ourselves that grace to take time off because we are building someone else's business with our time. This is yes. our time. We're taking away from our time. And it's a mental and emotional strain and stress that we put on ourselves to build someone else up. And and you know, so this is why the resignation happened. This is why the breakdowns happen. This is why men break down. And a lot of people don't think about that. We're taking our time, our personal time, eight hours a day. Okay, but that's eight hours of your time in a day. And a lot of times it's between eight to maybe 12, maybe to 16 hours a day of our time. And so I think if we thought that way, we wouldn't have these mental breakdowns because we would understand that this is my time. If I work for you, you get this amount of this of time. I'm not going to go over that because I have a household to take care of. Some people have fur babies. I have five children. So I work. I have the children. also have other businesses on the side that I'm doing. So you have to learn that your time is just as important as the people's time that you work for. And if it's not done within that eight-hour window or maybe eight-and-a-half-hour window, it will not get done until tomorrow. But we don't appreciate ourselves in that matter because, like you said, we're on the hamster wheel, and We have to get the money. We have to be prideful in our work. We have wonderful work ethic, and we're going to do this, but it takes from who we are as people. And this is why the new generation understands that they're not going to allow someone to take their time. If they feel like it's taking, you know, from what they want to do, they're not going to do it. Now, that could be a great attitude, but it also can be bad in the long run. But that's the type of attitude we should have because we should appreciate ourselves and understand that our time is valuable just like that job.
1: And sometimes it's easier as as an employee to, to have that mindset But sometimes when you're in it, when you're in an executive leadership position, it's a little bit more challenging to navigate working within those parameters because you are expected, you're a salary employee. So it's like when we call you, we expect for you to be available. That's why we're paying you the way that we're paying you. And, 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 And I can remember, I hated taking time off. We did not get it. They did not pay us out for it. I just, I don't know. And it was something that you were talking about earlier, Sarah. And I had to really break away from this. I felt like if I was the one who never took a day off, I was the more dedicated, better employee. And that was something like mentally, like, who cares? You're not getting a prize for it. You know, so what? Let's say Sarah, she takes all her vacation days and she's much more emotionally adjusted. She's doing what she wants to do. She comes back and she's able to do her job. And you're sitting there, which would be me, resentful, like, okay, why are they so happy? And they got us doing all of these, you know, metrics and we gotta be these <laughs> target all of this. Well, that's my fault for not taking the time off when I needed it and really being able to listen to your body and follow and give yourself what you need but for so long we don't even know what we need that we can't even lean into and listen to our body when when we need to yes. and so learning how to how to do that and and step away from the appeasement or pleasing other people and learn to please ourselves that's
2: all, also we're conditioned so, to- it's
1: so yes. true so mm-hmm.
0: I have a question. So you have, I'm going to talk about Raise to Rise because what inspired, you just decide, okay, not only am I going to talk to women, what really inspired Raise to Rise?
3: Well, for me, that image of saying, for me, it was like, I have built a house of cards. My career in sort of this life, like I've climbed to the top of the ladder. I make it to the C-suite by age 35 and I get there and I'm like, oh my God, I am so hollow and empty and unhappy. What have I done? I've like, I have, I've built a house of cards. And so for me, it was like, I have to raise it all. And that's um, not in such a, I guess, a, uh, sort of sensationalistic, sort of a way, but like looking at my life end to end and how I'm treating myself and how I'm approaching my career and doing that conscious evaluation and taking that inventory to say what do I need to do differently moving to forward, moving forward. I do think that sometimes we need these moments of of raising. You think of like a forest fire that a forest fire, you know, it can be extremely damaging. But what you come to see then is there's this beautiful growth that's, that comes from that forest fire when we clear out what's no longer needed. And so that was really the, the name for it and how that was inspired. But then I also, I, uh, I have a friend, I know she's on watching tonight and she was one of my inspirations for this because a few days after I quit, which was in more of a raising moment, actually, I'll tell you that very quickly. I, um, I was so frustrated and upset with, the sexual harassment investigation that finally happened months later because I wouldn't drop it. And it was so clearly very check the box and perfunctory that I drafted this blistering anti-harassment resignation letter later that night after I got the readout from HR. And I took my laptop into the office the next morning and I'm shaking, (laughs) and trembling, but I hit send on it and I sent it even to the CEO, not just my boss and HR as well. And I walked out the door. I didn't even give two weeks notice, which is the antithesis of that good girl that I had always been. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, what has happened to me? I'm reeling now. But at the same time, it was like, oh, my gosh, I have more power and capability and voice than I've ever had. So I'm taking all of that. And then a few days later, I attend this musical that I have a few friends in down here and it's called Respect the Musical Journey of Women. And it's about this college professor who after her uh, breakup decided to uh, research the top hits from women from 1900 on. So songs sung by women that hit number one and what she came to find from the thousand plus songs that she Uh, researched is that they tell the story of women. And it goes from being like on the side of the early 1900s of, oh, my man, my man, if he doesn't love me, you know, what am I going to do kind of a thing and like dressing up and looking good for your man and taking care of your home to then on the opposite side of it, it's like Alicia Keys girl on fire and Sarah Bareilles brave. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And I had this moment of just like sort of that divine spark. This is what I'm going to do. Women need to be able to tell their stories as part of this so we can learn from it, crowdsource wisdom, and move forward stronger and more empowered in our careers than ever.
1: I love it.
0: I love it. I love it. So
3: why the name, though? What's that? Why the name, Raised to Rise? It it was really that, yeah, like burn, burn it down to build back up. And, and rise together, because I also believe, too, that the more we talk about all of this, this is a rising tide lifts all boats kind of moments. And it first, I first started realizing it after my story was picked up by the Wall Street Journal, actually back in, I interviewed with them back in October, but the article ran in December. And after that, the conversations that I started having with women who reached out and even men, too, but women especially who reached out and wanted to talk about their own experiences with burnout and figuring out how they're going to navigate moving forward. These were deeper, more genuine, powerful conversations around work and career than I had ever had before. And it was just like, there is something here. We all have this opportunity to shed the layers and get rid of the things that are no longer working for us or serving us, you know, burn it down and build it back up to be something far greater and far better for all of us.
0: Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. So how can people connect with you and get involved with Raise to Rise and follow you on social, hear your message that you of everything that you have going on?
3: I would love to hear from anyone. This is my passion. Our individual stories are just so powerful. We forget that sometimes. And I think, I hope everyone leaves this uh, conversation knowing that. But my website is rise.com And then you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm Sarah J. McElroy. McElroy on both and would absolutely love to connect. I'm working on a book for Raise to Rise. And so I'm really thrilled that we're going to have the opportunity to, to take these amazing women, their incredible wisdom and insight to a, a an even bigger platform to be able to share more broadly.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for stopping by. Do anyone have any last minute questions or anything for Sarah?
2: Uh, Mel- oh.
1: I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> I, need mic. I just want to say this was a great conversation and all of the side uh, commentary as well with the different <clears throat> individuals who are tuning in, going back and forth and stating their opinions. Good uh, conversation. I love
0: it. I love it. I will say this, too, before I let you go. When we talk about burnout and work and one of the things you said very early in the podcast is how we we got off work and then started work again. And and I think sometimes where we feel like we have to keep doing and doing and doing and I'm talking doing it for our jobs, doing it for our friends, doing it for our loved ones. We're still giving extensions of ourselves, and we have to learn to even reel those things back. Yes. For, for the purpose of self-care, I actually had to learn that where I was like, oh, let me take a pause because I will go hard for my friends. I will go hard for my work. I would overcompensate in a lot of areas. And I had to stop doing that to make sure that I was able to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So when you're dedicating hours and you're not intentional about your time, you burn out a lot faster. So I appreciate you even acknowledging that women who have children, especially they work and then they go back to work. And then they, sometimes they go back to work again after the kids go down to <laughs> go down to sleep because now it's like, I have to get ready for the next day. I have
3: children. That is still work hours. Oh, oh goodness. Exactly. Absolutely. It's so true. And I, It also speaks to um, what Louisa was saying earlier related to our time. It is our most precious commodity. We think that money is, or we have often in our society worshiped money like it is the most <laughs> precious commodity. And how we spend it is so important to be, to be thoughtful about that. And I just love that that is the message that you're bringing to bear here. That is, we are more than our jobs. We are so much more. We're beautiful, multifaceted humans. And the more that we can put stock in the other parts of us outside of work and think about our life holistically and how much we're giving and how much time we're spending on work-related activities, personal at home or professional, the better Mm -hmm. off we'll all be. So I'm going to ask a question before you go,
0: because you were were a lot like me when it came to
3: work, 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 work.
0: Who is Sarah now?
3: Oh, I love that question. No one has asked me that yet. I think I am, I'm far more than my work. Now I will say Mm -hmm. I am very personally invested in this because it is, So near and dear to my heart from my own experience. And this kind of conversation and these types of resources that are coming out of this are the things that I needed most when I was just struggling. And so now on the other side of it, I am a a daughter, a girlfriend, a dog mom, a yogi. I love going to the beach. I mean, I just I want to have a positive impact on the world, but I know that more than anything, that comes from me being whole without the work. So it's all got to start. It's got to start here. Absolutely. Thank you for that question. That's a great Absolutely. question. You're welcome. Thank
0: you so much for coming by and hanging out. We're going to definitely have to stay connected with the whole race to rise because I'm always very love much emotional about things. Stay in contact with us for sure. I'd love to know how we can network some more. Yes, yes
3: we'll do. Thank you, Dr. G, Cortina, and Louisa. Yes. Wonderful to meet you all. Have a wonderful evening. You great
0: too. Thank you, oh, Sarah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: I love all of that great mm-hmm. conversation and, and I think it also it it brings you back the things that you're not always conscious of absolutely really it brings yeah, it because um, sometimes you know creature of habit <laughs> I, I can find myself still working and working and working for example I, I worked until about three o'clock this morning
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and then I was Up, My alarm went off at 630 and I was like, am I going to get up? Am I going to lay here?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and I decided, you know, I was awake, but I laid there, but I was, you know, I was reading the Bible. I was praying. I just got to do other things and just kind of center myself before I actually got up. Right. I'm proud that I actually, even though I was in bed and and still kind of doing other things, I was taking care of me on my time. And so I, but I I needed that this right here solidified of how I spent my morning. So it was actually extremely on time because even though, you know, I work for myself, I sometimes still fall in a rut where I feel like I'm going to keep pushing on. I have things to do. So I'm going to just work instead of make time for me, make time for my family, um, make time for my friends and all of those things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Before I go, before I, before I let you ladies go, because we still got like 10 minutes. So I'm going to ask you all what I ask um, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Who is Cortina Peters, the soon-to-doctor <laughs> Cortina
1: Peters? <laughs> who, who uh,
2: doctor.
1: <laughs> um. Well, I would have to say she is someone who is learning to take things one day at a time and not sweating the small stuff, you know, because... Control was such a part of my life for so long. And I'm just learning how to free flow. And um, there's a book called Relax on Impact. So when life hits you, you learn to relax instead of trying to brace yourself for it. Um, So I'm just learning how to relax and how to embrace all of the parts that make me me. Because sometimes like when I meet with patients, they're like, oh, I don't want to revisit that chapter of my life. But that chapter is... What made partly what made you who you are today, because either without the struggle or without the trauma or without something, the whole person standing here today would not be who's here today. Because you can't take slices of yourself and say, I only want these five pieces of me. I don't want. everything." So learning to totally, fully embrace every aspect, everything in the past, everything that I've experienced, everything that I've gone through, everything that I've come into awareness of. And just embrace all of those things. And yeah, it's not the easiest, but it's much more fulfilling and satisfying. Oh,
0: nice. What about you, Louisa? Who is Louisa?
2: Louisa is on a journey. Um, I am on the path of healing and freedom. I'm also extending my path of understanding and patience. So Mm -hmm. That is who I am. And I am also unconditional love. So that's Louisa.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'll answer the question for myself. I think I'm, I'm like you. I think I'm always a work in progress. I'm always open to learning something new about myself, something new about the world that I'm in. But I am the type of person that's learned to slow down, smell the roses, take the walk, watch the trees, look at the grass, look at leaves. <laughs> it's fall. So I'm I'm so ready to just be able to see the, you know, the world change um, and change into all the beautiful colors because I love earth tones. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm fun loving, I'm giving I'm a daughter of I'm a, I'm a girlfriend. Um, you know, I got. I'm like a PMA to, you know, to two babies. I'm, I'm so many things that I had to learn outside of my work. And even though I work really hard now, it doesn't, I don't allow it to define who I am anymore. And I think it, well, and already at one time I had imposter syndrome. So I never wanted to admit sometimes what I was for fear that I didn't feel adequate enough. But now I feel beyond adequate enough that I don't even have to explain that part of me.
2: Because my, right.
0: my work shows up long before I do. And so for me, being able to harness the love that I have for myself and put in boundaries that I had to learn, especially in friendships, especially in family ships, I think my my I'm at a peace. I don't really care about much. I don't worry about much that I can't control. And the only thing that I can't control is how I react to things, how I act to things and how I behave towards things. Mm-hmm. And I, so I love the balance that I, I now have on my life the best way I can. I don't even think ba- balance is a normal word because what's normal?
2: <laughs> there is no such thing.
0: Yeah, there, yeah, there's really no such thing as normal. No. But what I have done was normalize the things that's important to me. And I hold on to those things that are important to me that have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with anybody else. So that's who I am. Cortina, how can people connect with you?
1: People can find me on uh, the Girlfriend Therapist at all social media platforms. Also at Sext Unveiled and that's S-E-X-D Unveiled Um, or the Noir Center. And that's N-O-I-R Noir. So that's where you can find me. Okay, Louisa,
0: where can people find you at?
2: Well, you can find me at the Blue Phoenix Hills on every platform. And I want to say that I'm super, super, super proud of you ladies, because I know it is very hard coming from one position and going into another for yourselves. And I'm so elated. I'm so excited for you guys on this. Oh, y'all just make me smile so much. All the things that y'all do and just... Where you're going, it's just so, oh, I'm just so proud of y'all. And just the fact that you're able to pull back sometimes and know that you are worthy of time and who you are is just as great as who everybody thought you were. So I'm very proud of you guys.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I love you ladies a whole bunch too. (laughs) So um, you can find me at I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y. I am Dr. P. Gurley. And I did go back, you can follow Herspiration Happy Hour on Instagram at Herspiration Happy Hour. If you wanna, if you go to the Instagram link, then there is a link tree now that will lead you everywhere if you want to be on the show. Or you can also hit the let me hurry up and find this. You you can uh, hit us up at dawentertainment.com backslash podcast if you want to be featured. I believe we are now towards the end of October. Uh,
1: for, <laughs> for, oh, wow, I know I,
0: I know, I know, I know, I um, know. And our next guest will be, uh, who is this? Amanda Ribidot. She will be on her Spiration Happy Hour next week on Wednesday. Oddly, we were just having this conversation about podcasts, and I had shared that in five seasons, I have never missed an episode. Mm hmm next Wednesday is breaking my heart that I'm going to miss my very first episode in since 20s launching in 20s into 2017 that just like kills me you know I have a wonderful co-hosts who are here who I know are going to be absolutely amazing but I'll be on a flight to South Africa to do my talk with the University of South Africa
2: so well that's (laughs) a good reason It's it's
0: going to be hard um, but, I, you know, I'm always here. If you enjoyed the show, you could feel free to hit the tip jar at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash H. You know, we do love this. This conversation was so super dope to have. And I really hope everybody had something to take away from it. It was definitely a reminder to me of how far I have come, what I have sacrificed, what I have given up uh, to to avoid or to, I guess, remedy burnout. So, yeah. yeah. Do you ladies have any last minute things that you want to say? One, it being, you know, Suicide Awareness Month. Do you have any tips or, you know, before we go?
1: No, my only tip would be, like I said earlier, you know, it, it costs nothing to check on someone. It costs nothing to say, hello, how are you? To say thank you to say any of those things and a lot of times we trivialize the power and the impact that those small words can have but they really do um it 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 reminds me of um there was this guy he he didn't really have many friends and you know he was a loner he was to himself and one day i was just like thank you and something inside of me just i don't know it I, i think it was god just said like give him a hug like someone I did not know and I got emotional and he got emotional and he was like, I really needed that. What what made you do that? I don't know. It's just a feeling that I felt. And so I think even if I would have just said, Hi, how are you? Thank you. You know how you people can open a door for you and then well you open the door for them and then they just walk through. I'm like, well that's rude. I could have (laughs) closed You know, even just saying thank you for those small things. I think the world needs a little bit more kindness. I think the world needs a little bit more patience. I think the world needs a little bit more compassion. And so try to be kind, patient and compassionate when you are experiencing the souls of other people. So that's what I got. Wow. I love that. I that. I know. I, I, I third it.
0: <laughs> so we definitely appreciate the message. And so you ladies would be on next week without me. If I can, I might pop on quickly. You know, right before my flight heads out. If I'm on the plane, it'd be kind of hard to do, well, but
1: definitely.
0: And yeah, but I will, I might try to just kind of pop in to say hello to everybody. Cause then I can at least say, yeah, I showed up a little bit, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you all have a, an amazing week. Um, and then I will be back. And actually the next time I'll be back is week after next, and I will still be in South Africa, but I will be recording from there.
1: All right, different time zones. Different oh. time
0: zones, but you know, look, I podcast when I was in Israel. Well, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 When I say I don't um hey don't miss. And because I love this, I love the conversations. I love being able to share and, and have people share their stories, their experiences and awaken things in people. And that's one of the things that Herspiration Happy Happy Hour stands for. It's literally whether you are having cocktails, n- no tails, mocktails, <laughs> whatever. It's it's literally about just having conversation as if you were sitting at the bar, being able to talk to anybody about who you are. And right. And I tell you what, a lot of business decisions can, and you can get jobs from meeting people at the bar. Absolutely, you can educated from meeting people at bars or lounges or wherever. You know, there is something about the camaraderie of happy hour that has the ability to educate and connect uh, and resonate with people differently. So,
1: yeah,
0: everybody, we will see you next. well. Next week, Wednesday, (laughs) we will be back from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, if you want to be featured on the show, you know, just hit us up online. Uh, Until then, cheers.
3: cheers.